say you're having a thought about I'm not enough or I don't have enough. And every time you think that thought, I don't have enough, I don't have enough, or I'm not enough, or I'm nobody, that thought goes into the brain, all these chemicals and electrical impulses are released, and it deepens the current neural pathway, or it starts building a new one. Your body literally gets addicted to those chemicals. And so when you go to change, your body screams, your brain screams, no, no, don't do that. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast with your host, Jamila Souffrant. As a money expert who walks her talk, she helps brave journeyers like you get out of debt, save, invest, and build real wealth. Join her on the journey to launch to financial freedom in, in five, four, three, two, one. Hey, 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 real, real quick. It's Jamila here, and I have some exciting news to share with you. My first book, Your Journey to Financial Freedom, A Step-by-Step Guide to Achieving Wealth and Happiness, is finally available for pre-order. That's right. You can pre-order my book right now, today. The book is officially out December 5th, 2023, but you do not have to wait that long to get some resources and information to help you. If you pre-order the book today, I'm giving you some fabulous bonuses that will help you with your financial freedom and independence journey. I'm giving you the financial toolkit for free when you've pre-ordered the book. You'll get the debt payoff matrix workbook, the gold fuel worksheet, the financial goals workbook, and the retirement account questionnaire, my most effective and fave resources to share with you for free. Go to journeytolaunch.com slash book to get your copy to pre-order that book today. If you want the episode show notes for this episode, go to journeytolaunch.com or click the description of wherever you're listening to this episode. In the show notes, you'll get the transcribed version of the conversation, the links that we mentioned, and so much more. Also, whether you are an OG journeyer or brand new to the podcast, I've created a free jumpstart guide to help you on your financial freedom journey. It includes the top episodes to listen to, stages to go through to reach financial freedom, resources, and so much more. You can go to journeytolaunch.com slash jumpstart to get your guide right now. Okay, let's hop into the episode. Hey, 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 journeyers. Welcome to a special episode of the Journey to Launch podcast. I am giving you the best of rewind episodes of the Journey to Launch podcast. I have gone through the archives. You know, we have over 300 episodes so far of the podcast. I can't believe it. And some of these episodes, if you're just listening and finding out about the podcast, you may not have heard it yet. Or if you're a longtime listener, hey there, and you've been down with me for a while, maybe you need to rehear these episodes. So I've selected from the archives some of my fave conversations that I want you to re-listen to. So this one that you're gonna hear, I picked it special for a reason. I would love for you to listen to it for the first time or listen to it again and let me know what you think. The show notes for these episodes will be updated with current contact information for these guests because since it may have been a year or a couple of years since I've spoken to them, they may have updated their information. So if you want their new information, look for wherever you're listening to this podcast episode. And in the description, 
It will have any updated links that you need. And of course, the episode show notes are at journeytolaunch.com. Stay tuned. I have so much amazing content, new content, new episodes, a lot of updates for you about my new book coming out December 5th. You can go to journeytolaunch.com slash book to learn more about it and any of the pre-order bonuses. You can get that for free by pre-ordering right now. And just what's going on with the business, with me, you'll hear a lot more of that really soon. So I can't wait for you to hear this episode. And as usual, follow me at Journey to Launch on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and let me know what you think. All right, journeyers, let's get into it. Hey, journeyers, welcome, welcome back. You know, I am always getting inbound requests, which I guess comes with the territory now as having a podcast that people are listening to, especially from authors, right? Which, you know, when it comes to personal finance, especially books around money, a lot of it can sometimes repeat itself, right? The way that the author writes or just the content. And so when I got the email from Barbara, who you'll hear, formula Barbara Stanley, but now Barbara Hewson, (laughs) her team reached out about coming on about her new book that she has out. And it's not just your book, Barbara, like the new one that you had out. You have such an incredible like history of writing really impactful books in personal finance. I was excited to finally like, you know, have you on the show and to have you actually share your insight on everything. I can't even like really pinpoint yet a subject, but I want to talk about obviously your new book and then your previous work, but I just want to welcome you to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Barbara. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I actually started to read your book and I was really impressed by how you merged all the things that I actually find, whether it's the real personal finance, like the the metrics and the numbers, but also like the emotional and psychological and the neuroscience of it, which is what you did with this latest book. And so I want you to talk through, because I love there's a point in your book where you said you've lost the passion with your work at some point. And then you opened an article and was reading about neuroscience and you were like, that's it. That's the missing link onto why people are not sticking or having the results they want with their finances. So I want you to talk me through what led you to your newest work of art with your book and how you knew that this piece of neuroscience was what was going to be um, your, your next passion in helping people. So I've been working with women <laughs> and coaching them financially for 25 years. And let me just, can I just give you a little background? Because honestly, of course, every book I write is what I want to learn. Every book. Because I grew up not knowing squat about money. I grew up wealthy. I grew up very wealthy. My father was the R of H in our block. And the only advice he ever gave me about money was don't worry. And so I didn't. I thought that was great advice. But it turns out I married a man who was a compulsive gambler. I didn't know it. He was a stockbroker, but he turned out to be a compulsive gambler and he lost a fortune of my money. And I'm not stupid. I have a graduate degree, but I continued to let him manage the money because that's how terrified I was by anything financial. And finally, after our divorce, I decided I didn't want to, I, I did not want to deal with money. Well, I have this theory, if you don't deal with money, your money will deal with you. And I got tax bills for over a million dollars. I did not have over a million dollars. It was for back taxes. My ex didn't pay for illegal deals he got us in. He left the country. My father wouldn't lend me the money. 
And that's when I knew I had to get smart because I had three little ones and I did not want to raise them on the street. And I couldn't figure money out. I couldn't figure it out. My eyes would glaze over, my brain would fog up. And I was working as a journalist and for the San Francisco Business Times. And I got hired for a freelance project to interview women that were smart with money. And those interviews changed my life. And I wrote, I not only got smart about money, but I wrote my first book, Prince Charming Isn't Coming, How Women Get Smart About Money. And then I've written, I'm now on my eighth book. But for me, it's always been a struggle to make money, to, to figure out money, to make money. And always, I write my books because I want to know. And my latest book, which is called Rewire for Wealth. So I've been helping women, empower women financially for, like, like I said, over 20 years and about six years ago. And, and I love what I do. I love what I do. It's like, it's like what I was born to do. It's like, it's my God-given destiny. But about, about six seven years ago, I started losing interest. And it's like, something's missing. I don't know if there's something missing in my life that I shouldn't be working anymore, but something was missing. And so I think it's very important that we get these signs, these internal signs to pay attention. I could have powered through, but I didn't. I stepped back and I prayed and I said, if something's missing, show me. So I was just, you know, I was going almost on my email. I was looking in my inbox. The article about neuroscience showed up. And I knew nothing about neuroscience, but as I read that article, it's like something in me just went ding, 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 you know, like, like a slot machine. <laughs> you, you won, you won the prize, ding, 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 ding. And suddenly I thought, this is the missing piece. And if I could integrate neuroscience, the study of the brain, with the other components I've long been working with, which is psychology, the study of the mind, spirituality particularly mind training is taught by very numerous spiritual approaches and personal finance, I thought I had something there. And so I started practicing on my clients. I started giving retreats. I, I started just modifying it. And I came up with this next book. <laughs> yeah. And I'm actually glad you walked through the history of just you writing things that you needed at the moment. And in your book, I love that you gave a reference. So when you talked about um, earning money and you said that someone said you were, you were under earning. And so one of your books that actually people recommend or talk about a lot is overcoming and under earning. And that wasn't the book where you wrote, where you said you were interviewing the six figure women, was it? Or was it? What happened is after I wrote Prince Charming Isn't Coming, I got very savvy about money. I understood how to manage it, you know? but I didn't know how to make it. And I was traveling all over the country and I didn't know how to make it. And I remember going to this financial counselor and she said to me, Barbara, you're an under earner. And I said, no, I'm not. I'm a writer because everyone knew writers didn't make money. And that was the beginning of me trying to figure out how to overcome under earning. And here's the thing, guys listening, journeyers listening, you were in the space talking about money already. And still had a blind spot, still yourself was not, whether it was demanding your worth or your market and understanding your market, but you still had these hiccups within the personal finance space, teaching other women and people to make and handle their money. Oh, honey, I always say to everyone, I've been doing this for 25, over 25 years. When I got it all together, 
I'm out of here. <laughs> and I still haven't gotten it all together. There's always something more to learn. There's always challenges. It's not about being perfect. It's about being as good as you can be. But I love that because it just shows the realness. And even I relate to that so much because while people look to me as an expert in the space and I'm leading them on their financial journey, I am still within my own <laughs> journey um, when it comes to my money blocks and my money hangups about earning and like all that's still happening within me. But I just love that you were so real about just like your realization that, wow, I'm not earning enough myself. But I love that you are using, you are being transparent like this because the world needs role models like you to say you don't have to have it all together to do what you're here to do. We are here to serve. And if we wait till we're perfect or we got it all together, then we're not doing what we're here to do. And that's a waste of a life. Yeah. I want to get into the neuroscience part of this because, you know, the personal finance, like the logistics of, you know, you need a budget, the, you need to earn more, you need to spend less, kind of like investing 101, all like the things that we can get informational wise, like there are tons of articles and podcasts and courses to find that. Even with the uh, spiritual part of it, I do love that nowadays, maybe it's just me because I'm becoming more spiritual and more aware of my own, just uh, how I move in the world and how like, you know, my energy levels and how that relates to money that I see more of it in other people's work. So that's good. But I think people kind of get that too. Um, like there is a spiritual side to money, but the neuroscience piece of it, like, so even if you get all that other stuff, right, even if you get like the, in, you know, you understand like what a 401k is. And even if, you know, you feel like you have a strong spiritual um, groundedness, you know, in your beliefs and, you know, you have a positive mindset and all this stuff. If you don't understand how your like brain is wired, that still is like the missing link to why things don't connect. Right. Exactly. Because we may know we need to contribute to our retirement. So why aren't we doing it? We may know we need to follow a budget. So why aren't we doing it? <laughs> we may know we need to save more. So why aren't we doing it? And that's, that's where I was very interested. And so what neuroscience taught me is that the mind and the brain work together. The brain is a physical organ in our skull and it works on electrical chemical impulses. And the brain controls all our behavior, inhaling, exhaling, saving, spending. It is all controlled by our brain. The mind is not an organ. The mind is a non-physical entity that is the source of our thoughts and feelings. And the two work in tandem. What flows through the mind changes the brain. What flows through the mind reinforces what's in the brain. So if you want to change your behavior, which the mind controls, you must change your thoughts which because the brain, that the mind is the master, the brain is the servant. And so, however, the brain does not want to be changed. The brain, those, every thought that you think, let's say you're having a thought about I'm not enough or I don't have enough. And every time you think that thought, I don't have enough, I don't have enough, or I'm not enough, or I'm nobody, that thought 
goes into the brain. All these chemicals and electrical impulses are released and it deepens the current neural pathway or it starts building a new one. The key is how do you shift your thoughts? But it's not just shifting your thoughts because those neural pathways are so strong. They're like, they have the force of gravity. They, 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 they'll actually suck you in, like just suck you in and you feel helpless to change. Plus, when you go to change the thoughts, those chemicals that release, your body literally gets addicted to those chemicals. And so when you go to change, your body screams and your brain screams, no, no, don't do that. And then every time you're tired or stressed, you just can't find it. You just can't find it. So I created a simple, but not easy, a simple system to help you shift your thoughts. And shifting your thoughts is, is not the hard part. It's making sure they reprogram the brain. That is where the challenge is. Hmm. Yeah. I love that you went through that because for someone as like myself who's getting more into the like spiritual and this mindfulness and I'm, it's been there, but now definitely integrating it in my work and as an entrepreneur in my business, right? Sometimes I'm just like, okay, I just want the spirituality. Like that should just be enough. Like if I meditate and I, you know, think positive, that should be enough to change my reaction to certain things or my behavior to certain things. And, but I realized that's not like what you're saying, like with the brain, like your brain is such like the ego, the monkey mind is so persistent <laughs> to keep you beholden to, you know, that. There, there's another part to that. Yeah. So there's all this talk about the law of attraction, right? We get what we focus on. We want a new car. We think only about this, the car. We imagine ourselves driving the car. We imagine we have the money coming in. But the problem is what they don't talk about is the law of congruence. And that is, it's a universal law that we get what we want, not what we ask for. So let's say you are asking for more money. I want more money. I want to be wealthy. But if a part of you, if what you, if a part of you thinks that money is bad or the people who have it are bad or people won't like you if you have it, then that's not what you really want. What you want is to stay safe, to be liked. <laughs> and that's how your brain is wired. And here's the thing. Your brain is wired by your beliefs. And so there's such a thing called confirmation bias that you will not see anything. Your brain will not literally not see anything that contradicts your beliefs. If your thought is, I, I don't have enough, I don't have enough, and you're, it's wired in the brain, brain, then unconsciously, you will start behaving in ways that will make sure you don't have enough. And this can be very frustrating, right? Willpower alone will never do it. It will never do it. And we make ourselves crazy and then we feel bad and then we feel terrible, which only gets embedded in our brain that we're awful and we're lazy and we're losers and all of that. Yeah. It's okay. So I know right now everyone's like, all right, you convinced me. It's not just willpower. There's rewiring that I need to do to my brain. So what is that process? What does it look like to do that? Okay. I will tell you, I will tell you the process. I will tell you the three steps. I will explain them a little bit and then I'll, maybe I'll give examples while I'm explaining. I don't know what I'm going to do. Okay. The three steps are recognize, reframe, and respond differently. 
Okay? Recognize, reframe, and respond differently. Recognize means you, you notice when you are having a negative thought. You just notice. You observe it like an objective bystander. You say, oh, I'm having a thought that I'm stupid. I'm having a thought that I can't do this. I'm having a thought that I don't have what it takes. So you have that thought and you notice, not with judgment, not with criticism, you notice with curiosity. Isn't that interesting? I'm having a thought about. So first of all, you can't change anything until you're aware of it. So this creates awareness. Second, by saying, isn't that interesting? It creates a separation. Isn't that interesting? I'm having a thought about. And you say, and then you can say, that's the way my brain's wired. It's not the truth. It's the way it was my parents' truth. It was my teacher's truth. It was a society. It's not the truth. So when you can see that, when you recognize it, the second step is to reframe it. And that is the reframe. How can I see this differently? And there are a gazillion ways and there's no runway and there's no, there's no right way. And there's no wrong way. But the idea is to reframe it, to see it differently. I'll give you an example of mine. So last week, my team, we came up with this project that I was going to do. And I had never done a project like this. And I was so, I, I felt like I didn't have what it takes. I just, this, this, and I've had this before and I've worked on it before, but I never really rewired it. And it came up again. I don't have what it takes. And I started to just say and argue with my team. I don't want to do this. And my team was very persuasive and persuaded me. And I thought, okay, I noticed that I'm having a thought about I don't have what it takes. This is not the truth. It feels like the truth, but it's not the truth. It's been wired in me since childhood. And I know where it came from. Isn't that interesting? And I said, okay, how can I reframe that? And I said, oh, I have what it takes. But that didn't feel to me. And so what I did is I played around with this for a few seconds. I thought, I can handle this. That was my reframe. I can handle this. Whatever comes up, I can handle this. So I'm showing you a little post-it note I wrote. I can handle this. And so I didn't believe it. And you don't have to believe a reframe. You don't have to. But what you do is you reframe it and then you replace it with your current thought. And then you respond differently. Well, what I wanted to do was nothing. I wanted to say, I don't want to do this. I'm stopping. But what I did is I went ahead and I wrote the script and I wrote the emails and I did what I needed to do. And what happens is you keep doing, is you keep recognizing, reframing, and responding differently. Those old neural pathways get weaker and the new neural pathways get stronger. And what once seemed like nothing in my body or my brain wanted to write those scripts suddenly became easier. And I started getting ideas because when you reframe and you start reprogramming, your brain starts looking for ways to make that a reality. And the project was, I had a great time doing the project. Mm. And you talk about this, um, the self-efficacy. Did I say that right? <laughs> you did a great job. I always get like, okay, so self-efficacy trips up me. Yeah, let's talk about that. <laughs> so the, I, you know something? You are the first person to ask me about that. And this is, so they have found, studies have found that the reason women 
aren't better with money, particularly with investing, is they lack the confidence. Women, we know we want to get smart. We know we need to protect ourselves. And we really want to learn. And as you said in the beginning, there's so many resources out there. Why don't we? And it's because we lack the self-efficacy. And efficacy is the belief that I can succeed. It's the belief. It's not just the knowledge. Because when I wrote my first book, Prince Charming Isn't Coming, I can't tell you how many financial professionals, mortgage brokers, stock brokers, bankers came up to me and said, this is what I do for a living, but my own finances are a mess. I see it and hear it all the time. Because while they have the knowledge, they don't have the efficacy. They don't have the belief that they can do it. And that's what needs to be programmed in. And that's the way our brain needs to be rewired. Did you know I broke out the path to financial independence into what I call five journeyer stages? That's right. There are five stages that you have to travel through to reach complete financial independence. When you know your stage, you know what to focus on and how to move on to the next stage. I created a free one-minute quiz to help you determine what stage you're in. After you take the quick quiz, you'll know where you are on your financial independence journey, the main thing you should focus on, plus you'll get a curated list of 10 Journey to Launch podcast episodes to listen to that will help you for your specific stage. Go to journeytolaunch.com slash my stage right now to take the free quiz. That's journeytolaunch.com slash my stage. If there's one thing that I could teach my children or pass down, because I do believe um, I have this. And even if there are things I don't think I can do well, like I'm just like, I, I it's going to work. It's going to work. I'm going to figure it out. Right. Like that's just my like natural. It's not natural. Part of it's natural, but part of it I work on. Right. But this is the thing that if I could tell anyone, it's not about like being good at math. It's not about, you know, being super disciplined or having a natural ability about any of this stuff that we're talking about. Like if there's one thing I can like just beam to everyone right now is this quality, because with this, like it doesn't even matter. Like you'll succeed at anything. And if it's not that first thing that you're looking to do the next thing, you're like, it's really just like this idea that like, there's no way you can fail. Even when you fail, it's a launching pad to something else. It's just a powerful thing that I wish more people understood. And if they don't feel that way about themselves, could start to figure out how to do that. So how can one do this now if they feel like they don't have this kind of belief in themselves? That's where the rewiring comes. It comes from, you don't have to believe anything. I can tell myself, I can handle this. And I promise you, I did not believe it. But what's great is our brain is very malleable. They call it plastic. And it's always changing, always changing. And so if you tell yourself something often enough, but not just tell yourself, act on it. And if you fall down, you get back up and you keep going. Eventually, the disbelief in your brain will weaken. And the belief, those neural pathways, those, those neuronal circles will get stronger. Because as Henry Ford once said, believe you can, believe you can't, either way you'll be right. So it is up to us to strengthen the neural pathways that have us believing we can do it. Yeah, and 
you know, oftentimes you, you say this in the book, like our ego has a lot to do with what prevents us from going. I just want to read like this excerpt because I thought it was really good. So it says, um, the ego urges you to hide and craves the comfort of the familiar. The soul pushes you to shine, favoring the uncertainty of the unknown where all success lies. The ego makes excuses. The soul takes action. The ego focuses on your flaws, constantly comparing yourself to others, insisting you're either better than or less than. The soul is filled with compassion for self and others, reminds you of your gifts. Here's what you need to firmly keep in mind. The ego always speaks first and loudest. So I thought that this, again, goes back into why, you know, if you're listening to this and you're picking up patterns on why maybe certain things are not working, you tried before and things are not working, that picking up on what's really, what are you, what's that voice that you listen to? The one that's speaking loudest usually, which is the ego, right? So can I elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah. It was fun hearing you read my words back to me. That was very fun. I have to tell you, when you write your next book, you will understand what I'm talking about. Well, my first book, I haven't written my first one yet. <laughs> I know you haven't, but that's your next book. Okay. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling you're going to write a book. I don't know why. Okay. Anyway, that that's another thing. So we all have two voices in our head, as you said. One is the ego and one is the soul. The ego is not bad. The ego's sole purpose is to protect you. And it learned how to protect you when you were a child. What you, you learned as a child how to survive. And survival for a child means getting love, attention, and approval. So you learned very on, and your ego learned very on, how to get love, attention, and approval. But what helped us survive as a child will suffocate as an adult. So I learned very early. My mother told me very early when I was three years old, my earliest memory, and I asked her how much money she had. And she looked at me and it was like, I got the message. You do not talk about money. So my ego, when I was going through, my husband was losing all my money and I was in psychoanalysis three times a week. I never talked to him about money because my ego said, never talk about money, never talk about money. So you have to understand all these old voices and the ego, it's not the truth, it's a lie. And that's what's keeping you back. So the idea is you can't quiet the ego. You have to find a way to say, thank you for sharing and then tune into your soul. And your soul is the direct contact with the divine, with your highest truth, with your highest purpose. And you need to get quiet to listen to your soul. You need to be in stillness which is hard for people, but to listen to your soul. And that is where your truth and your purpose and the way forward resides. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the thing about it is, so you talk about this again in the book, um, you say that the softer side of talking about money is often kind of looked down on, like, you know, people need the tools and give them the tools and like the direct instruction and in a world dominated, which maybe I'm in a bubble because I see so many women with platforms now and money. I'm like, oh, there's, I feel like there's so many more women in the space. But really, I do feel like sometimes people are just like, okay, inspiration is not enough. Motivation is not enough. And I'm like, but you know what? I think that actually is the biggest motivating factor on providing change because the budget, the templates, the tools, they're there. They're there for people. I want to get into that a bit because people sometimes discount like the feeling just feeling good <laughs> and what that does for someone. 
So I remember when I was writing one of my books and a pollster for a big polling company that was doing a big survey, a study on women and money for one of the major financial firms and brokerage houses. And I remember he called and was kind of picking my brain about women and money. And one day when he called, he had just come back from a focus group where, where there were, he had a bunch of women talking about money. And I said, what did you learn at this focus group? And this was a while ago. And he said, oh my God, it's such an emotional subject for women. And I thought, well, duh. But see, the financial industry is very male-oriented, very male-oriented. There are so many women like yourself now going into financial education. And there are women in the financial industry, but it is very male-oriented. And so much of the financial education is geared towards men. And dealing with emotions is considered touchy-feely. And, and it's very, it, men can very be very condescending about that because men are very out of touch, generally speaking, with their emotions. So yeah, it's very important. So for me, getting smart or smarter about money, because it never ends, is really a four-pronged process. I used to think it was three, but now it's four. And that is what I call the outer work of wealth, the inner work of wealth, the higher work of wealth, and the deeper work of wealth. And the outer work of wealth is, you know, understanding the difference between a stock and a bond and how to do retirement planning and how to negotiate a raise and all those things which are very important. But if like me, you get stuck on the outer work, then it's really important to go to the inner work, looking at your attitudes, beliefs, and early decisions you made about yourself and money that may be holding you back. And there's the higher work because honestly, once women are financially stable, once we have a roof over our head and food on the table, once we have enough, very few of us are motivated by more money. We, we want to. I mean, we want to make more money. No question. I want to make more money. But what motivates us is wanting to help others, wanting to make a difference. And that's what I call the higher work. So sometimes to get women motivated. The financial industry tends to rely on fear. Oh my God, 90% of the women are going to be single and have to manage money. All these fear-based messages. But really what motivates us is the higher work. I believe we are all here for a purpose. We are all here to do what God put us here to do. And we can't do that work if we're struggling to make ends meet. And so the higher work is really looking at why you're here, how you need to serve, and how you can use money to support that. And then there's that deeper work of wealth, which is the mind-body connection, which is understanding how the mind and the brain work together to rewire, mm. to create the, the life you want to live. Yeah. Does this your um, saying, make millions, help millions, and give millions? So what happened? Yes. So what happened is after I wrote my third book, which was Overcoming Under Earning, and I was making six figures, and I had been for quite a few years, one night I woke up, like just straight up in bed in the middle of the night. And I had this new goal. I want to make millions, help millions, give millions. And that led to my fourth book, which is Sacred Success, A Course in Financial Miracles. Purposely, if you put make millions first, I'm assuming, because 
the not wanting to seem greedy or all about money would want to say, oh, I should put help millions first. I want to like lead with helping people first and then I'll make money and then I'll give it. But I like actually reading this again, like purposely make money is the first thing and making money. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, what do they tell you on an airplane? Put your mask on first. Because if you don't take care of yourself, you're in no shape to take care of others. Yeah. A lot of us know this, right? I know this. I know you listening, you know this, like just on a surface level, but the blocks that come in, in terms of making more money, because you don't want to seem like you're taking advantage of anyone, you, you know, like, especially I think as a business owner, and even if maybe you are in, within a corporate environment and you work for like a boss or a manager and you're going to ask for a raise, there's these thoughts about what people perceive of you for having money. And so you have to lead with, no, no, it's not about making money. I just want to help people, which you can do both. It doesn't have to be either or. What's under that is something that's very unhealthy. Under that is a devaluing of yourself. That other people's opinions are more important. That money is bad and will make you look bad. But there's a devaluing of yourself, and that's where we women get in trouble. We devalue ourselves, get give away our, our time, our knowledge, our experience for free or bargain prices because we don't believe we're worth more. And the trouble with that is that it always leads to resentment. Eventually, it always leads to resentment, which is not good for our mental health or our physical health. And it's not good for our relationships either. I rather see people value. I want to see a woman value herself. I, when I interviewed six and seven figure women, I always ask them, are you doing what you're doing for the money? Everyone but two of 154 said, no, I'm not doing what I'm doing for the money. I'm doing it for the passion. I'm doing it for the recognition. I'm doing it for the challenge. But, and here's what got me but I damn well want to be well compensated because I know I'm worth it. And that is what leads to financial self-efficacy is when we have to believe we are worth it. Mm. That so speaks to me. (laughs) It really does. And I know, yeah. I even interviewed for my Overcoming Under Earning book, a preacher, a minister. And she said, I always tell my congregants, Don't give to the church first. Give to your family first. Give to you first. You make sure you are solid. And then you give to the church. You don't hear that very often. But she understood that of protecting yourself and your family. Mm. And, you know, the resentment that you talk about, that can come in the form of, you know, you're in your job that you're underearning. You're not getting paid your worth. It can come in your business to your clients. It can come to just the way you now are putting work out into the world. And it's a self-fulfilling prophecy where you're maybe not doing as much or your best because of the resentment. But I don't, I believe God does not want us to struggle. God does not want us to devalue ourselves. Is it okay if I talk about God? Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I, I mean, whatever you believe in God, but there is a higher power. There's a greater intelligence out there that put us on this planet and we are not meant to struggle and we can serve others better if we are financially secure and financially stable. Mm. We owe it to ourselves. We owe it to our families. We owe it to the world. And whoever said money is bad is wrong. It's a lie. Money is not bad and money is not good. Money can't shoot a gun. Money can't bandage a wound. 
What's bad is the lack of self-love. And it's the lack of self-love that creates the bad in the world. Amazing. I mean, okay. So for someone listening, what is, other than picking up your book, (laughs) what is something that they can start doing? Like, you know, I like to make things actionable for people listening. And if they're noticing, right, that they are lacking uh, some of these qualities and or self-sabotaging themselves, under-earning, not really demanding their worth, what are some things right now? I know you already talked about rewiring and it's like about reframing and, you know, there's a process, but what's something else that they can do around us, a behavior that they have that they know they need to change? Like what's something they can do right now, like after listening? Two things. Can I do two things? Yeah, two. Fine. It's really important. Okay, two things. I'm going to say it really quick and then I'll do it. Do what you're scared to do and surround yourself with support. Because success in anything, whether it's making more money or losing more weight, it always lies just outside our comfort zone. And the number one requirement for going to the next level is the willingness to be uncomfortable. I have this favorite quote by um, Joseph Campbell. The cave you fear to enter is where your treasure lies. So my kids who are always in, who are in their 30s and 40s now, they always call me when they get stuck or confused or they're not happy about something. And they always say, what should I do? And they know exactly what I'm going to tell them. But they always say, what should I do? And I say, what are you most scared to do? And they tell me. And I say, that's what you need to do. So do what you scare. It's what I, do what you fear. It's what I call the stretch. It's what I learned from successful women. You do what you're scared to do. And that's how you succeed. At the same time, that's scary as hell. So it's important to surround yourself with support. To kind of push, stay away from the naysayers, from the pessimists, from the worry wards. They're not bad people. They're just scared. And you become who you're with. So spend time with people who are cheering you on. Look for role models. Look for people who are doing what you're scared to do. Just surround yourself with support. So those two things. Can you talk about um, sometimes that you've done the scary thing that pushed you to the next level in your career? I'd love to hear that. My whole life. I am always doing things that scare me. Oh, my God. Every book I have ever written scares the bejesus out of me. Every book. But let's take my last book. I started writing it. I read all this stuff. I read all about it. For four years, I worked on this, trying it out, testing it out. So I went to write my proposal. Everything in my brain said, you are so stupid. No one's going to read this. My father always used to tell me, that's your stupid opinion. And sure enough, my brain said, that's your stupid opinion. And I was so scared. And I worked on rewiring. I was so scared. But I knew my soul wanted me to do this. My soul gave me all this information. And and I did it. And I did it. I had to go through this with eight books. And if I ever write another book, which right now, this is so fresh. I always say, I'm never going to write another book. And my husband always says, yes, you are. But if I ever do it, I know it's going to have to, I will be scared and do it anyway. And just like this last project, I was terrified to do. And I worked on rewiring it. That's, that's the way I have a, <laughs> I have this thing on my desk, scare yourself every day, surround yourself with support and make a difference in the world. And that's why I scare myself so I can make a difference in at least one person's life. 
Yeah. Yeah. And you said even in the book that um, when you opened up about like your spiritual kind of like work with money, you were scared about how people were perceive that. So the spiritual was a very big part of my own process, especially of Course in Miracles, which is spiritual text. It was a huge part. And I never told anybody. I never wrote about it. I never talked about it. And finally, after I had this epiphany that I wanted to make millions, help millions and give millions, and I was going to I decided I'm going to write about how spirituality, along with practical finance, along with the psychology, really aided me in, in, in becoming financially savvy and scared to death, scared to death. I'm always scared. Jamila, I'm always scared. I love, and I know some, I'm getting so much benefit from this because there are some things, same like you, where... You know, there are certain things that I probably, while I do share a lot um, and I'm open, there are some things where I'm just like, oh, I don't know, you know, if I can want to share this just yet. And do I know how to communicate this in a way that makes sense that not that I need to defend, but if someone says, wait a second, why do you think that's like going to be helpful? Or, you know, there's, there's just, I know for me, there's some unlayering of despite where I am now, if I share even more of these things, like, and nothing, something like crazy, but it's just like, just the, the, just my day to day, you know, how I process things would even be more impactful, but it's also like, okay, but you have to be like willing to like put it out there and not be so afraid of any thoughts or opinions of other people. Oh no, 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 no. That second part. No, no, no. You can be afraid. There's no such thing as fearless, at least for women in the world of work and building our business. You can be afraid. I'm always afraid. I really am. I'm always afraid how people think, but I have a higher power and I have a higher purpose. And that is that I want to serve. And, and I don't know, you got to just take baby steps. Look, it took me how many years of writing how many books to like tell people the spiritual part was a very big part. You do what you can. You do what you can. Yeah. Yeah, I love this. Okay, so Barbara, please tell everyone where they can pick up your latest book, find out more about your work, and just follow you. So my uh, my website's a really good place to start. It's Barbara-Hewson, Barbara-Hewson. I always say hyphen because it's, you know, the alliteration. Barbara-Hewson, but there's a dash because people don't know a hyphen. Barbara-Hewson.com. And there's just a lot of information on there. And the book again, say the title one more time. Rewire for Wealth. Three steps any woman can take to program her brain for financial success. Yes. And I will link um, all that where people can get it, follow up with you in the episode show notes. But this was an amazing conversation. I hope that this really um, was impactful for others as it was for me. Thank you so much. Okay, I hope you enjoyed that episode with Barbara Houston and you got some really, really good takeaways. You know, my goal for this podcast is not only to inspire you and I get tons of messages. I love when I get these messages of people just listening to the podcast that how you've been able to apply what you learn, right? So I want you to be inspired. I want you to have that fuel in you as you listen. This is part of it, but I want you to take action whether that is, you know, looking into the guests, let's say a guest resonated with you and their book resonated with you, go ahead, do not delay, go buy that book. There's a course or a program or something that you can get right now that's gonna take you to the next level. 
take some action. There is a, you know, article that you need to read. There's a budget you need to make. Take that action. Take the action. Don't let the momentum just slip away. And, you know, you put it off to another day. So I'm hoping you got a lot of action steps from this interview with Barbara Houston. I really, really enjoyed what she had to say and am super honored that she was on the podcast. And just, you know, as a quick aside, I wanted to just like share this little story before the episode, like before we taped the episode, you know, I always chat with guests before I press record. And one thing is that, you know, that stood out for me with Barbara is that she actually listened to the podcast. You know, she was like, you know, I checked out your podcast before I came on and, you know, I really enjoy your interview style and, you know, you really are good at what you do. And it was great because typically, you know, especially with someone like Barbara who has such a long history and has probably done a million interviews, you know, like typically like guests aren't as, you know, researching me as the interviewer. And so I love that even at like her stage in this game, she was doing her due diligence on me. And um, that actually, <laughs> if you're listening, Barbara, that actually made me kind of nervous because I was like, oh, so now I have to like really do well. <laughs> I don't want to disappoint Barbara with my interview skills. So Barbara, I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. And of course, don't forget to pick up Barbara's book, Rewire for Wealth, Three Steps Every Woman Can Take to Program Her Brain for Financial Success. So go get that book. Don't forget, you can get the episode show notes for this episode by going to journeytolaunch.com or click the description of wherever you're listening to this. And you can still grab your jumpstart guide for free to help you on your journey to financial freedom by going to journeytolaunch.com slash jumpstart. If you want to support me and the podcast and love the free content and information that you get here, here are four ways that you can support me in the show. One, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast wherever you listen, whether that's Apple Podcasts, that purple app on your phone, your Android device, YouTube, Spotify, wherever it is that you happen to listen, just subscribe so you are not missing an episode. And if you're happening to listen to this in Apple Podcasts, rate, review, and subscribe there. I appreciate and read every single review. Number two, follow me on my social media accounts. I'm at Journey to Launch on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And I love, love, love interacting with journeyers there. Three, support and check out the sponsors of this show if you hear something that interests you. Sponsors are the main ways we keep the podcast lights on here, so show them some love for supporting your girl. Four, and last but not least, share this episode, this podcast with a friend or family member or coworker so that we can spread the message of Journey to Launch. All right, that's it. Until next week, keep on journeying, journeyers. Journeyers.